welcome to the weekly podcast of Trinity Life Church. We are a local church that gathers in downtown Toronto on Sundays and all throughout our city during the week. Now our mission is to help people discover their identity and destiny in Christ so we can influence our city, our country, and our world. If you're looking for a place to call home, we'd love to have you. Our services are Sunday from 10.30 to noon at Jarvis Collegiate. Enjoy this week's podcast. My name is Adam. It is good to be with you in our series called Embracing Exile. We are going to be, we got a lot of stuff to cover today. It's a good series, a lot of good thinking to unpack, and today is going to be the same. So uh, let me start with a little story from at the time of this recording. This was from this past Sunday or Saturday. We went to uh, a neighborhood cleanup. So I live in Mount Denis. It's a neighborhood on the West End, uh, kind of by Weston Road in Eglinton. And, uh, and every year there's the big Eglinton flats that just get covered in garbage from stuff blowing around, accumulating, cars throwing stuff out as they drive by on Eglinton. And the neighborhood gets together and they clean up uh, the ravines and the, the edges of all the, uh, the roadways and stuff. And it's a beautiful thing. So we got our R3 together and, uh, and we met up and we grabbed a bunch of garbage bags, we put on a bunch of gloves, and we teamed up and jumped into the ravines and pulled out all the trash. And uh, it was great. But uh, so the way, the way it works, though, is uh, there's just all this tall grass that's growing up because it's springtime, and it grows over, and it covers the garbage that's been sitting and accumulating all winter. And as the snow melts, the grass comes up and then covers all the garbage. So you're <clears throat> so you're walking around, and it's really hard to see until you kind of maybe step on a plastic bottle. You hear it go crunch, um, which is a different crunch than the dry, tall grass. But anyways, uh, and as we're picking up garbage, I also noticed there's garbage underneath the garbage. So they do this every year, but it's so, I was talking to the organizers of this, um, it's so hard to get it all because every year more garbage just accumulates, more than they can uh, clean up. And so there's just garbage underneath the garbage. And so the ecosystem is starting to settle with layers and layers of garbage, with the tall grass just growing up around this and just accumulating this stuff and, and incorporating it into the ecosystem of the ravines and the parks and the sidewalk grass and all that. Uh, <clears throat> furthermore, when you walk around, you grab some garbage, you continue to walk, and then you look back at where you just came from, and there's more garbage because now you have a new perspective uh, with all this stuff growing around. And so even when you think you've got it all, there's still more underneath there. And, uh, <clears throat> and if you don't work hard to peel back all the layers and really dig down, eventually we, we might find ourselves in a place where garbage is just the foundation of something that we thought was beautiful and amazing and lively. And one day the ecosystem could just collapse because we're just all living on garbage. What does this mean for us? Well, it might mean that the very thing that you thought was beautiful is actually just a pile of garbage. But here's something good for us. Because if we don't do something, if we don't take action, nothing ever changes. And for some of us, I think God is waiting for us in that place where we take action. And the very thing you're hoping to experience of God or the very thing you want 
to change in your life when it comes to your spiritual growth is in that place of action where you move, you get up, you get out, and you start taking action to see the ecosystem of your life and other people's lives more specifically become more beautiful in a true sense. So here's the question. Are you asking God where he is these days? I'm here to tell you that he's out there. He's loving, pursuing, caring for those who are lost and suffering in this time. Like Adam and Eve in the garden, the question is more, not God, where are you? But God asking us, where are you? He's saying, I'm right here in this place of action, in this place of cleaning up the mess. Where are you? And so as we look to embrace exile, as we are exiles, we come out of our heavenly home. We need to embrace our identity as ambassadors into the world, a world that is not our home but a place we are going to need to be ready to take action. So let's look back to last week. Thank you so much, Michelle, for covering uh, those verses. It was beautiful, great. God was speaking. Um, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, she started with preparing your minds for action. Think deeply. Be ready for some real thinking. Because that's where it starts. It starts in your mind and it works out in your body, right? And this week, we're going to be getting ready to take action, not just in our mind, but with what we do, which she also touched on. Here's the thing with the, the people that Peter is writing to. They had started to, if you guys remember back from week one, they started to look back onto the passions of their former ignorance is how pe- uh, Peter called it. As, what does that mean? They started to look at other narratives outside of the biblical narrative um, for, for the foundation for their life again, other stories to inform uh, their perspective on the world and how they should navigate through it. So what story is determining your life right now? What narratives are you starting to lay as a different foundation other than the foundation that's been laid through faith in Christ? Maybe a narrative you used to believe in that you're not, or that you are starting to believe again. Is it a gospel narrative or is it a worldly narrative? The temptation here is to say, Hey, Adam, should we just have grace on them? They're going through a hard time. They're in exile. Life is hard. Don't be so critical. Their normal life has been taken away from them. And they're just trying to do their best. They're just good people trying their best. First off, it's not me being hard on them. This is what Peter says about this church. They're looking back to the passions of their former ignorance. And we should have grace on them. This is exactly why Peter is writing to them, because he loves this church. He loves this church. He's helping to lead this church 
so that they can thrive and find joy in the midst of hardship. He loves them so much, he's willing to take action, to speak out, to write a letter, to help them through this suffering. And in that, Peter doesn't say, prepare your minds for rest and recluse to just bunker down and get through the suffering. No, he says, prepare your minds for action. And this will be hard. Guys, we know, we've been experiencing it. This will be hard, I know. But if we batten down the hatches and become docile and apathetic, you will become a slave to those false narratives again. The false narratives that the world will give you. How many New Year's Eve or New Year's resolutions have you succeeded at in your life, right? Get fit, get the job, work harder this year, have a better schedule. The narratives of the world are plenty and they come rushing in. but they're not good enough. You're still empty and dissatisfied by the end of it. Or maybe a little bit satisfied. Maybe it lasts even for five, ten years. Uh, But many come to a place after even great success where they realize it's still empty what the world has to offer. Okay, so Peter wants to root them firmly back in that gospel narrative, and he starts with their identity. So I'm just gonna point out a bunch of things he has told them is their identity. They are elect exiles. What does that mean? God has chosen them, and this exile is not an accident. They are born again. They are truly alive of the Spirit. They have a heavenly inheritance. What does that mean? It means You are a member of a divine family and the riches that you are seeking are of a totally different quality. They have been ransomed by the blood of Jesus. Somebody thought it was worth it to pay for you to be free. And that somebody just so happens to be the God of all creation. And he's said they are holy, they are set apart. They have a unique purpose and identity unlike anything that the world could have to offer. Okay, so all of this is important uh, leading up until this point, this scripture that we are gonna focus on today uh, because now Peter is gonna tell them exactly what the action is that they're gonna take now that we are exiles on this earth And now that we know a little bit about more about our identity, but don't mistake, it will be challenging. Why will it be challenging? Because many of us will need to heed this imperative that he gives us in the final verse we're going to be talking about today, the need to grow up. I'm a dad. I got two kids, two little girls. They're cute as buttons, little blondies. They run around just laughing, giggling, and it's amazing. They're both very passionate. One's very action-oriented. One's very affectionate and cuddly. I love them both with all my heart. Uh, They don't always listen to me. (laughs) Certain things they don't like to do, right? My littlest one right now doesn't like to get her teeth brushed. My oldest one often has a challenge trying new things, especially new foods. Parents, can I get an amen? 
<clears throat> but it's my job to teach them how to navigate the world that they're going to go out into. And so they need to learn to listen to me so I can teach them things so that they can grow up to endure what is coming. All right, let's start. Let's try a little activity, okay? Ready? I, we're going we're gonna to do a little experiment. I'm going to try it on you. So pretend you're my kids, right? And I'm daddy. And I'm saying, hey, you at home, stand up. Now touch your nose. Now stand on one foot. Now jump three times. Say, Adam, what was the point of that? Hey, just actually do it right now. Okay? Touch your nose. Stand up. One foot. One, two, three. Did you do it? Probably not. Why didn't you do it? Was it that you weren't ready for action? You were sitting on the couch, cuddled up with a snack. Your child or spouse was on top of you because you're cuddling. You weren't ready for action. You weren't expecting action to be needed to be taken right now. Maybe it's because you don't like being told what to do. <laughs> I'm a millennial. I get that. I don't like being told what to do. I'm also an Enneagram 8. I especially don't like being told what to do. Maybe it's because you didn't understand the relevance of the activity that I was giving to you. So you sat back and waited to see if it was going to be relevant to you before you participated. Or maybe you just were, you were, you wanted to judge what was going on and decide if this is really important. Because you already kind of maybe had a feeling of the point of it, like something was inkling behind you, behind your, in the back of your mind. And, but you wanted to wait for a little bit to, to give final judgment on the, the authoritative action uh, being asked of you. Or maybe, or maybe I did a little informal survey of my uh, social media friends and asked them, hey, if somebody knows the right thing to do, what prevents them from doing it? And overwhelmingly, the comments came in, people are afraid. <laughs> I was totally shocked by that, that fear is that, the number one thing, according to many of my friends, that prevents us from taking the right action. So are you afraid? Were you afraid of what people might have thought of you in the room? You look silly. You look weird. Isn't it a shame when we treat God's commands with this similar apathy? Or our church leaders all across the the nation, all across the world, when they say God is calling us a certain direction, we treat our church leaders with a similar kind of apathy. For my girls, the best way to shift their activity and to get them to do meaningful action that will prepare them for the world and enduring the suffering in it is to remind them of their identity, which Peter did very well for us. And so for me, I get down on my knees and I say, to my oldest girl, all the time we have this conversation. I said, sweetie pie, who am I? And she says, you're my daddy. I said, how much do I love you? She says, with your whole heart, daddy. And we do that you know, with, uh, with your whole heart, daddy. Do the actions. 
And sometimes I have to go so far as to say, do I want good things for you? Before she finally realizes who she is and who I am and that what I'm asking her to do is actually important. And after we have that little discussion, usually that's good enough to realign her desires to line up with what's good for her and what I know is good for her as her daddy. She reintegrates into the will of the family. Everyone can enjoy each other again. We've, we've reestablished respect. We're able to participate with the authority figures in our life who love and care. It reestablishes peace and joy in the household. It's beautiful. But it's only really confirmed if they take the action Right? We may have stopped the crying. My girl maybe feels better because she knows her daddy loves her. But it's only really confirmed that this is transforming something if she actually goes and does what I ask her to do. So are you like my children? Have you grown up yet? When your R3 leader or your serve team leader or maybe your boss at work or your spouse or for you who are still living under your parents' roof, when your parents give you a certain action to undertake for your own good because they love you, are you ready for action? Do you delay and make judgment for yourself? Or are you afraid of what might happen if you fall through? I don't know what it is for you. That's between you and the Holy Spirit. You sort that out right now in prayer. Peter wants to set the church up to take action, and he has reminded them of their identity, and now it's time to take action. So here we are, finally set up to dive into this passage today. That's all intro. You guys ready for this two-hour sermon? Here it comes. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 22 to 23, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, Love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. Okay, so obedience to the truth in this passage. Obedience to the truth came out of a purified soul. You've been born again, entered into a new family, and brotherly love is the context here for the command that's coming to us, all right? Community is the context. So I would like to exhort you right now, get into an R3 group. If you are watching this and you are not a part of one, if you consider Trinity Life Church to be your home, Trinity Life Church will only really be your home if you are a part of the family and integrated into an R3 group. This is where real community happens. This is where brotherly love can happen. And we are in a very loveless society, and this is essential. That's a sermon for another time, but this community is essential for moving forward, especially for what we're going through right now. And you don't know this, maybe, but you need help. You need help. And your community will be that help because God is in that community. Okay, why? Why, 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 why? Here's the command that he gives. 
Love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Church, I love you. I've dedicated nine years of my life to you. Coming on that. Maybe you watch this in the future and it's more than that. To you and to many more who aren't a part of this family yet. I love you. I love you because I give up my life for you. Or it is in, I love you in this way. I give up my life for you. I dedicate my life for you. This is what the scripture says about this. They will know you are my disciples by your love for one another. This is John 13, 35. You will be my witnesses, Jesus says in Acts 1, 8. He's giving them the key for how to succeed at the very thing that he left them to do. The last thing he left them to do. Here's how to fulfill the Great Commission. To make disciples. Love one another earnestly. Earnestly. Yearn for it. You know why this matters? He tells us why this matters. He gives us a little story. Pretty cool. So 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 24 to 25. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory, like the flower of grass, withers, and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. This is what this means. What matters is not living the worldly narrative The seed that doesn't wither is the word of the Lord. Here's some worldly narratives. You think you have value when you get a good career. Perishable seed. You need a big bank account for security, to feel good, to know that everything's going to be all right tomorrow and through the hard times. Perishable seeds. You need... The newest, coolest iPhone and clothing to look your best and to stay relevant in your circle of influence. Perishable seed. You need to... uh, When situations come along, you have great anxiety about them as they unfold in ways you don't expect. Those situations and that anxiety, perishing, perishable gone tomorrow. Sometimes, and some of us, we need to let emotions based on our circumstances dictate everything that you know to be true as those circumstances unfold. God, where are you? Why aren't you showing up right now? Maybe you don't even exist. Perishable. Those circumstances, gone tomorrow. And then you're happy because God showed up and gave you some nice things. All of that fades because your life is like grass. You are a beautiful flower, but you fade. This life is fading and everybody dies. Why were you anxious? Why were you depressed? Why were you covetous? It's all perishable. Something more beautiful than that is taking root. The word of God, that is imperishable. The good news It's imperishable. 
your identity in Christ, all those things we mentioned earlier, it's imperishable. <clears throat> so how do we nourish those imperishable seeds that are being planted? We don't just need to learn the Bible. We need to live the Bible. We don't just need to learn the Bible. We need to live the Bible. The church that Peter is writing to was in danger of knowing the scriptures, but not living the scriptures. They probably had their Bible studies, they, but they weren't living those scriptures. They had intense spiritual moments like at Pentecost. They saw their favorite pre preacher, Peter himself, preach live, and thousands of people were saved. Maybe they even had the best worship band at the time. There, at that meeting, it was electric. God moved in a powerful way. But as that memory fades, did you continue to live in what you knew? Here's the parable of the sower. It says that seeds were scattered around, right? And some, they all landed in different places. Some lands in uh, the, the side of the road and you know, the bird snatches that seed away, it's gone, it doesn't take root. Some land on rocky ground, right? They, they land on the rocks and, it, and it, it sprouts up right away, but the sun, because it doesn't have deep roots to grab nourishment from the ground, just withers it away and it's gone tomorrow. Is that you? Because you know something, you get excited about it, but what does it say in the parable of the sower? The sun is the pressures and the entanglement of the world the busyness of the world, the chasing after of the world, worldly strife and struggles scorch that away. That's Bible knowing you knew something you got excited about, but you didn't let it take root and live it. <clears throat> he said it in the beginning of the first chapter, right? They stopped living the Bible because they were chasing after the passions of their former ignorance. We opened with that. Uh, a well-known pastor of pastors said it like this, and so this will be up on the screen for you to follow along. He talks about flabby Christians. He says, I agree that often Christians in the West are immature. I agree our walk doesn't always uh, match our talk, but I think the average North American Christian is about 3,000 Bible verses overweight. The way many leaders approach maturity is to assume that knowledge produces maturity. Since when? It's wonderful that people understand what they believe, but knowledge in and of itself is not a hallmark of Christian maturity. He continues to say, as Paul says, knowledge puffs up. Love, by contrast, builds up. And some of the most biblically literate people Jesus, uh, in Jesus' day got bypassed as his disciples because the goal is not to know, but to do something with what you know. You might say, but Adam, okay, okay, okay. I want to do something, but we're in lockdown. I can't serve at church anymore. Help me, what do I do? And herein lies the problem. This is, this is the heart of it. The church isn't something you go to. You don't serve at church. It is something that you are. That same pastor says, Jesus commanded us to make disciples, not be disciples. That doesn't mean 
We aren't being discipled. But his command to us was to make disciples. That's very action-oriented. We'll talk a little bit about that later. So we aren't to just huddle up in our church services and just be disciples together. We are to continually feast on the Word of God in small and large gatherings so that we can help others to hear God's voice. That's how we define discipleship at Trinity Life Church. Hearing, learning to hear and obey the voice of God. And guess what? You, you, you will hear God's voice in a new and profound way when you engage in ways to make disciples that you have never thought of or you've been too afraid to try or that you never thought possible before. Remember, we said earlier, God is out there already pursuing those that he loves and those that are suffering. He just wants you to be a part of it. Will you take up that call? He wants you to speak to somebody. He wants you to show grace and patience, kindness, joy, healing, and bring transformation to others. God is waiting for you. Where are you? He's moving and he's active. He's picking up trash. What are you doing? And I get it. It's hard, right? Because make disciples. It's this big macro activity that seems so ethereal and hard to access. Because it's, and this is, this, is pro, this is maybe why. I don't, I don't have it fully figured out why, why we have such a struggle with this. But it's, it might be because it's full of little micro activities you have to do. Like I said earlier, maybe you just have to learn to say hi to somebody. Maybe you have to know how to share your own story of what God is doing in your life. Maybe you have to pay more attention to what God is doing in your life. So that when you say hi, you have something to say next. It's like this. It's like Joshua. He comes up to the river. He has the people of God behind him. The promised land is on the other side. And there's rushing water going through. They can't cross. And God is waiting for him to take a step into the rushing water before he calms and parts the water so they can move across on dry land. God might be waiting for you to act before he does the thing you think you've been waiting for. But chances are, the thing that he's waiting for is way better than anything you can possibly imagine. So take the step in. Okay, how do we nourish this fervent action, right? This, is, this fervency here, this fervent word is beautiful, where we have to get rid of the junk food. So 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 to 2. So put away all malice, all deceit, all hypocrisy, all envy, and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you might grow up, there it is, into salvation. So there's the junk food, malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander. That's the junk food. We're trying to nourish seeds in good soil. All that stuff is not helping to nourish you. The pure spiritual milk, the word of God, is what will nourish you. Malice, this is intentional intent to cause harm. Did you want to see someone just knock down a peg? Does that, that happen to you? What about deceit, intentional deception? You're like, nah, I'm, I'm not a liar like that. How about this? How about this deceit? You pretend to want to participate in things even to the point where you sign up for a team, you start serving, you start helping out, 
Your intent was never to help out. You know how I know? You were gone two weeks later. You were gone a month later. Intentional deception. Maybe you yourself were deceiving yourself. Hypocrisy. You play too many roles. You aren't one integrated person. You aren't intelligent. You aren't integrated. You have a high standard for others, maybe even leaders in the church, but you, you're not making disciples. But you want to tear down people who are. Hypocrisy. Envy. You desire what others have. You don't rejoice with them in their success. You want their house. You want their body. You want uh, their money. You want their success. Envy. Slander. You want to harm someone's reputation. You ever had the meeting after the meeting? Right? The vision's been set. The action steps have been planned out. And then you gather together and you say, what did you think about that? Yeah, I didn't like it either. And here comes the meeting after the meeting where now the new leaders are in charge. The mutineers, the deceivers, the slanderers. Yeah, they don't know what they're doing. We shouldn't follow them. We should do our own thing. We shouldn't commit to those plans. We should do our own thing. We need to get rid of all that and desirously, fervently stretch out for pure spiritual milk. Your soul needs nutrition like your body needs food. And it takes a while to get healthy. And sometimes you don't realize how unhealthy you are until you change your diet and start eating things that are actually healthy for you. And as we make disciples, many of you are going to start to realize how unhealthy you are. Your insecurities will come out. Your fears will come out. Your malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander will come out. And that's the exact place God wants you and wants to meet you. And he wants to root it out of you so you can continue to walk forward and do the very thing he called you to do. And he will meet you in that place. I guarantee you that because he loves you. All right, there was was an interesting study here. This is um, on the topic of Uh, the word of God, the imperishable seed that remains forever. There's this interesting study done uh, with 400,000 people in it. Uh, Those who read their Bible four or more times a week were 407% more likely to actually memorize scripture. Here's something relevant to our topic today. 228% more likely to share their faith with others. You read your Bible once a week, not good enough. You read your Bible twice a week, not good enough. You read your Bible three times a week, not good enough. You read your Bible four times a week, you are 228% more likely to actually act it out. Wow, that's amazing. 59% less likely to view pornography. 30% less likely to struggle with loneliness. That's incredible. Because the word of the Lord lasts forever. It's imperishable and it will change you how you act, how you feel, and how you live. 
Wow. So let's make our diet this action-oriented, knowing the scripture, living the scripture, because our actions will change, your life will change, and you will meet God there. This should prove to us that mental ascent is not good enough anymore. Bible study is not good enough anymore. Traditional Sunday service as we know it is not good enough anymore. All of it has been creating flabby, overweight sluggards. Go back to the Proverbs to look up some verses on sluggards who call themselves Christians. A missiologist friend of mine quoted an informal survey that they did of 1,600 churches. 75% of them wanted change, but less than 1% had made any significant change. They didn't take action. They knew, but they didn't act. And that's pretty pathetic, if you ask me, because we've gotten fat and lazy. But this bride of Christ here at Trinity Life Church, heed this bottom line, the bottom line for today. Fervent action is a result of divine satisfaction. If you are feasting on the word, including acting it out, you will have a divine satisfaction that never fades. This is what he says, verses two and three. I'm gonna repeat one of the verses and give you a new verse. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Long for it. This is Psalm 42. As the deer pants for water, so my soul, it thirsts for you, thirsting for you, longing for you. <clears throat> we have about 100 R3 leaders waiting to realize their identity, to stop fearing the outside world and start showing the outside world who our God really is. All that's missing is some small steps of faithfulness. And so, like we only have about 15, 20 R3 leaders right now, but you all of you, everybody watching right now, you already know the action to take. So let's take it and let's learn it together. If you feel like you don't have the whole picture, that's fine. That's okay. Neither do we, neither do I, but let's take the steps together. Let's see all of us be our three leaders. Let's see all of us living out the great commission to make disciples. And what does that mean? Somebody else is going to meet Jesus. Somebody else is going to experience transformation in Christ. Somebody else is going to have freedom, healing, joy. And you may have your next partner for the mission field coming out of the harvest that you will get when you sow imperishable seeds. And all of this is a part of you seeing 5,600 people discover identity and destiny in Christ, seeing 560 organizations partner with us in the new common in order to influence our city and planting 56 churches in order to influence the world. So step in, take action. Let me pray for us. God, the road ahead is uncertain. We know what to do, but there is so much uncertainty and fear in our hearts. God, would you forgive us of that? Would you remind us of our identity? Thank you for Peter who does that for us, that he tells us that we are elect exiles. He tells us we are holy. He tells us we are born again of imperishable seed. 
God, may Trinity Life Church rise up to the opportunity right in front of us. May our meal not be of junk food, but of pure spiritual milk. May we take action on this mission together to make disciples. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you want to know more about the TLC community, check out trinitylife.ca or you can find us on Facebook. Of course, we'd way rather meet you in person, so we hope to see you at a service soon.